Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 361, featuring Katrina Salikrap, who is a very, very interesting, funny, she's funny. I wrote my right. Very funny. <laughs> very funny. I actually laughed a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is a very funny, uh, a colorful language, as you'll notice as well. Uh, and she uh, tells tells us a story about her life and what she's been doing. And I've I worked with her back at Method a long time ago, and uh, it, it, it was great, great catching up with her. She's got some interesting stories, right, Kristen? Oh yeah, it's the podcast is like as I say, like a wild ride, and she's a flame artist with no fear, absolutely none. Um, she kind of started off in the business. Um, being very persistent, but uh, she lived in a hostel in Venice as she's trying to get going. Um, and then after she was a flame artist, she moved to New Zealand for two years. And that was a fun story. Mm-hmm. Come back to LA right at the recession. So, I mean, it all worked out, but her stories are amazing, very funny. Um, she also speaks about some of her personal journey as well. Mm-hmm. And then how she came upon doing a podcast. I think she said it started in 2020. Um, called Price to Sell. Uh, mm-hmm. They're 10 minute episodes and there's 10 of them. Writes, produces, and directs herself. But mm-hmm. um, it's amazing. And like you guys kind of talk, the podcast nowadays are almost a way to get picked up as a movie as well because you're hearing sure. the story and um, you just touch on so many good things. It's a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, a, I mean, the, her podcast is is a, is a story. So, right, it's a, it's yeah. a fiction, it's a, it's a, it's like a, you know, radio play, shall we say, kind of thing, mm-hmm. which she's done. And so Price to Sell is out and she's working on her second one now. And it's something that she's like, I didn't even know I was going to do this. And then she turned it into a thing that she does. And so it's kind yeah. of an interesting thing. I I'm fascinated by it. I love, I love Katrina. She's, you know, she's doing a amazing job. She's living up in Oregon now and, uh, and enjoying that part of her life as well. Uh, so yeah, it was absolutely awesome catching up with her. So I was so, so happy to have her on and for her to sh- uh, share the story with us. And hopefully you guys will have an, be entertained by her as much as I am always entertained by her. <laughs> okay. We don't really have any big announcements just now. Mm-hmm. As, you, as you guys know, we are in the middle of uh, uh, negotiating or working on a merger with uh, Enscape. So that in itself is big news, and it's a definitely something that's occupying a lot of our time. If you guys want to know more about that, just go to last week's episode, episode number 360, and you'll find out more about the Enscape Chaos merger from the CEOs and Vlado himself. So that would be a good thing to follow up on. But if people have more questions or ideas or comments on this podcast episode or other episodes we've had, Please get in touch with us. Kristen, how can they do that? You can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you guys have uh, want to just email us, you can always do it that way. Uh, labs at chaosgroup.com is the best email. Again, that's labs at chaosgroup.com. And, uh, you know, besides that, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and, and, and let us know what you think there. And don't be afraid to go check out Price to Sell as while you're looking at podcasts as well and check out uh, Katrina's great new things and be on the lookout for her new episode, hopefully coming out in the, in the next month or so. As March well. or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what she said, right? So she's been working hard on that. I'm very excited about it. All right. But for now, enjoy this episode, episode number 361 with Katrina Sally Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. 
You know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. <laughs> I wouldn't make it live. I think we're going to say too much weird stuff. That's right? Funny. I'm like, I get a little weird, you know. Do I need to self-edit? No, we don't okay. have to self-edit. But I think it's going to be great if people know about the awesome person that you are and how what a cool thing you've done over all these things and what you've done in your career or after your career or whatever you want to talk about. That's all great. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. It's nice to have someone interested. I am. I am. So, yeah. So, uh, I know. Okay. So, first of all, people should know that you and I uh, first met when I came to Method and you were uh, you were amongst uh, the big f- f- flame groups that are over there. And Method was obviously well known for uh, its flame artists and reputation that they had which is kind of an interesting position and you <laughs> bonded on a lot of a lot of, of things creatively uh at, at that company so that was a lot of fun uh but i'd like i'd like to get people to know a little bit about what got you into what you do like how did how did that how did what was the journey that took you to when to i met flame. you there? Yeah. yeah i mean because i didn't even know what that was right like when I started going, gee, I really like movies and TV and I want to do effects. And, you know, I, at that time there wasn't as much internet and availability of of information. So I had no bloody clue. It was just one day I stumbled across the word literally method, uh, looking into music videos and they had a great website where they just had like everything they had ever done. Right. And I, I watched all of it and I was like, holy crap, what are the, what, who are these people and what do they do? Right, And um, I had just, I was just getting ready to finish uh, my associates in art. And I was sort of leaning really hard into design and motion graphics at that time. That was sort of like my strong suit. Okay. Uh, Around what year is this about? That was probably 2001. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, they, the art school had just opened up a sort of computer animation program, but no one knew what that was yet. It didn't even really have a, a distinct curriculum and it's changed names like four times in the, in the years since. So right. it was really, really early days of like, how do we teach college kids how to do these like CG type jobs? And so initially I wanted to be a CG artist. So, uh, you know, I was in my, I was going into art school. I passed all the stuff to get in the computer animation program. I was super jazzed. I sat down to do 3d and learned that I am freaking dyslexic, but not in the not in the way with words, but in the sense of every single thing I did in class was upside down and backwards, and I it was not intentional. And I in my mind I was seeing it one way; it was literally coming wow. out the opposite. And I was crushed. I was like, "Well, crap, just crap." Right. <laughs> you know, this okay. is like, <laughs> what I wanted to do. But I really understood X and Y, you know, it was like up and down, left and right, all Z day all was night. a little different. <laughs> yeah, Z was a little different. It just, the four viewports broke my brain, like, really badly. Right. Um, and I was like, well, this just isn't for me. That's a bummer. Right. Um, and I had this After Effects class, and I sort of fell in love with it. And then 
uh, I was combustion came out as I was graduating. Okay. I held myself, I held myself back. And when I was like, Oh, you know, what is that? <laughs> I want to, mm-hmm. I want to play with that. So I actually held myself back from graduating, uh, and took everything except my portfolio class and used that time to self learn combustion because there wasn't even anyone to teach it yet. Right. So there wasn't even a curriculum around it. And I just was like, Oh, this is it. This is my butter and my jam right here. Um, and I just sort of like <laughs> went into the director of the program and was like, Hey, I want to do my demo reel in this. And the guy's like, Hey, you know, it says computer animation on the paper, right? Like, this is, <laughs> this is not anything like what we're selling people we're producing as far as graduates. Right. And I was like, well, but this is a thing too. And it's part of a larger thing. So anyway, I had to really, really go to bat and fight for it because I knew I wasn't going to be able to graduate with 3D. I wasn't Got able it. to just do it. I was like, damn it. <laughs> you know? Right. So I was like, I'll be damned if I wasted all this time and money. I'm going to get a piece of paper out of this. So, you know, luckily a, a couple of the teachers backed me up and got behind me and were like, look, if she's there, this is a thing. And if anyone in the class of whatever years is going to do it, it's going to be that one. So okay. just, okay, fine. She's worked hard. All her other grades are good. Give her the paper. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was 2001, mm-hmm. and my portfolio review to graduate was actually September 11th of that year, which you know was a very exciting time to yeah. be, uh, in America, mm-hmm. or anywhere probably, really. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I was driving into my portfolio review to you know get the final verdict, and I got a phone call from my mom. She said, you need to go home, and you need to go get your brother. And I was like, woman, <laughs> I'm graduating today. <laughs> How dare you call me? Don't you know, I'm like super stressed out. I'm graduate. I got, I'm going to find out. And she's like, you're not doing nothing, but going right. to get your brother and going home. <laughs> and where have you been all day? Have you not turned on a TV or a radio? And I'm like, wow. no, I'm in the zone. I didn't, I hadn't turned on a single thing. Wow. I was literally like, I'm going to graduate today. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, it was, it was a big surprise. Yeah. Um, and so ultimately I did graduate, but I came out into a job market of like nothing, like zero things, like nobody was hiring anything. Right. And I was like, well, poop. Um, mm-hmm. So I just kind of did some graphic design jobs around town, whatever I could scrounge up. And where um, were you? You were in Texas? Or- I was in Texas at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I was in the Dallas area. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just like, man, I don't want to... Everyone who graduates after me has a leg up because their stuff is on top of the pile. And then everyone has experiences has a leg up because they have experience. I'm ne- this sucks. You know, you're right. never going to get a ch- an opportunity like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my infinite wisdom, <clears throat> I was <laughs> just sitting around cruising everything I could find that had to do with visual effects. And the company called Radium had right. listed that they were going to offer an internship and their requirements were that you had to, uh, you had to live in California and you had to be a current student. And I was neither. Mm, Okay. So I wrote them a very heartfelt letter and was like, look, why don't you let me worry about where I'm at? Just consider me, just look at my stuff and consider me. I'm not asking you to say yes or no. I'm just asking you to look at it. And they're like, okay. Uh, and I got really lucky because there's a guy, you might actually know him, I don't know. His name is Lonnie, I can never pronounce his last name correctly, Piestri, okay. Piestri. Um, okay. But he was 
he was someone who came across my little dinky reel and was like, put that off to the side. That person is <laughs> on the next level. I had tried to make a little movie. I didn't okay. do shots or anything technical. I was like, here's my stupid little movie. <laughs> it was the worst reel of all time. <laughs> but sure I think he wasn't. appreciated that, you know, that's it was some it was something different. Sure. Um, now, Reagan so was called, in Santa Monica, wasn't it at the time? Wasn't it over? Yeah, on the they had an office. Yeah, they had an office in Santa Monica, and they had an office in San Francisco as well at that time. Yeah. And so they were like, "Okay, you can interview for the internship." And so I was like, "Well, it's now or never." I packed my bags, I put my stuff in my car, and I was like, "Mom and Dad, don't freak out. I'm going to California." And they're like, "What?" Yeah. Are you are you insane? You don't even know how to do your own laundry. Like you're <laughs> <laughs> you still live at the house. You've never paid rent. You don't know what? You're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I was like, Well, here's the thing. I, I have an interview and I'm gonna fly <laughs> to it. But I, it's gonna cost every penny that I have to fly there and put myself up and go to it. But if they tell me yes, I'm coming back for the car and I'm going that way. And they're like, like the beginning of a terrible movie, right? No, it's a great movie. I love it already. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I went out there and I interviewed and they chose six of us to basically split what would be the internship. Right. And I was like, okay. So I went back home and I got my stuff and, um, yeah, I had no fucking no no idea. Yeah, no idea what it was going to be like to try to like get your first apartment in Santa Monica, California. <laughs> so I ended up <laughs> living in the hostel in Venice for a little while, and uh-huh. everything that I owned was in my car. It was parked out on the street, and yep. I was going to this unpaid internship. And then I had two other jobs. I was working in a coffee shop in a movie theater. And I was like, I'll be damned if I have to go back home with my tail between my legs. I'm going to make this work. Uh, So I did six months like that of three jobs. And like, it was funny because eventually at one point at Radium, the the word kind of got around like, are you living in your car? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm living in a hospital. No, No, I have an address. (laughs) Just make sure you put care of on there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and they were so nice they were like you're gonna get robbed are you in venice with all your shit in your car yes okay all the, and so it was really nice a bunch of people came out and they're like look we're gonna take all the crap out of your car we're gonna put it in storage in the building and you look here's craigslist you need to know about this here's how you're gonna find an apartment here's how you're gonna do all the shit and someone just sat me down thankfully and was like here's how to do life okay okay <laughs> Okay, okay, I got it. And so it was during that internship that I came across Flame Artists for the first time. Okay. So I knew Combustion had other products and sort of stuff attached. I had never seen or heard of them outside of like reading the occasional article about Method. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I just bugged the shit out of every single (laughs) Flame Artist. You know, what are you doing? What can I get you? What do you like? What are your favorite things? Like, right. you know, like tell tell me everything. Like, and they were so nice. I have to say, like, they were so nice. I think they were like, are you, 
are you a fangirl? And I'm like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so like we're unaware that this exists. It's really weird. Yeah. But don't do that. So yeah, I was with them until they basically kind of had their split and became Zoic. Right. And then Ra- Radium and Zoic were kind of two very different animals. And I never, I never really worked at Zoic, but they went on to do amazing, amazing mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I stayed with Radium and Scott Rader came in and he had a ton of experience, like, like from Star Trek, the next generation, like right, right, a ton right. of experience. He was like really one of those people, like no one you ever meet, such a character. It was such a joy to like, just be, a, <laughs> just be around. He, he never called me by my name the entire time that I worked with him. He called me Roto Monkey. <laughs> Called you Rona Monkey? Okay. Yeah. Bring me the Roto Monkey. Scott, I would really appreciate if you'd use my name. Roto Monkey. Do you want to be a flame artist, Roto Monkey? Yes. I do. What can I Roto for you today? Well, Roto Monkey. <laughs> but you know what I like it was all in good humor. I never felt yeah, like of course. or anything about it. Um and he really taught me a lot. Like, you know, not a lot, but just he filled in the gaps for me. I didn't know about advertising and where we sat and sort of the overall scheme of what went on. I was just like, I just want to composite. I don't know sure. what the hell is going on in this company. Like these advertising people are a mystery to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? Um, and he's like, that's your paycheck. You're very used to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I was there, but it was really hard because Scott was really busy and I was the only sort of junior person. And uh, Method was down the street. I don't know, yep. man. I just worked my courage up one day and I went on over there with my, <laughs> with my reel where I had like removed a dog penis for a Purina commercial. Right <laughs> <and>, like, <laughs> a giraffe. You know, it was pitiful. It was so pitiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy about that food. Uh, <laughs> I was like literally writing home to my mom, dear mother, I'm so excited. Today I got to do shot work. Oh, what did you do? Well, I don't want to talk about it. So <laughs> Let's just say today. it's a major commercial. <laughs> it's a major upgrade from dust busting. And I don't know if anybody remembers what the heck dust oh, yeah. busting was, but that's Explain. How I-, I know what dust busting is, but tell people what it is. Because I love, first of all, it's a great name. I love the name dust busting. It sounds glamorous, kind of. But explain what it is. <laughs> Dust busting is where you basically watch video footage that's been transferred from film to see if there are any specks of dust anywhere. <laughs> yep. 24 frames a second, 60 seconds in a minute. Entire frame sequences. By frame by frame films. by frame. And you can't see it as a frame by frame. You can only see it while it's moving. Like you have to, at this point, I, my husband laughs when we go out. I can see a deer in the woods at 60 miles an hour. And he's like, how the hell do you do that? And I'm like, dust busting. (laughs) Absolutely a byproduct of dust busting. Yeah. Every time. You can see Um, (laughs) it. Yeah. I remember, man, I watched one sequence on Spider-Man so many times I wanted to scream. It's just like, I, (laughs) you know, but yeah, so that's how I started dust busting and Roto uh, and the sort of wire removal and up and out. Yep. But yeah, I took myself over to Method, which was kind of funny too. And I rang their big old gate and they let me in. And I walked to the front desk 
And, and this was when Method was, was still the lunch. small boutique little cool place that it was, right? Yeah. With, in a yellow yeah. building. Yeah. They were the coolest. Like, you know, I, I knew all their spots. I knew the names mm-hmm. of their artists. I was just like, I had on yep. the, the best thing that I had, which was probably laughable to them. <laughs> you know, I was not fashionable at all. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I worked myself up and I took a little stroll over there. And for whatever reason, the receptionist must have been confused or something. She let me in. Right. And I went up to the front desk and everyone was eating lunch. And it was like, oh, right. everyone, it, everyone stopped eating and was like, who are you? <laughs> Who is? I did. You feel like one inch tall, like literally one inch tall. Yep. Um, and I was like, "Hi, I came to give you my demo reel. I really am, would like to work here. I'm a big fan, and so forth." And she's like, "Um, we don't take reels from people off the street." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I can appreciate that." Um. <laughs> I will send it through the appropriate channels. Can I, can you please tell me what the appropriate channel is? I'm sorry. Right. And she's like, I'm going to hang on to it. And I was like, thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. She's right. like, and I was like, <laughs> I thought I was never hearing from them. <laughs> right. So, um, a couple of weeks later, uh, I forget who calls. I think it was Nisa, maybe. No, okay. why would you call me? Anyway, someone called me and I got to meet Nisa. Right. And they were like, yeah, you know, we're looking to expand our junior artist situation. Uh, we have a lot of work and we're starting to run, you know, we have run a day and a night shift and yeah, maybe, maybe. But, uh, you know, your reel isn't, isn't super great. And I was like, heck yeah, my reel's not super great. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I, I would really like to, you know, to be somewhere where someone can help me work on that. Right. Because it's hard for me to, to learn and be under the pressure at the same, like, I, I need some help. Like, I know that I'm not there. And I, I remember saying in the interview, when I was so nervous, I was, like, practically vibrating out of the chair. Like, mm-hmm. literally, I could not stop my leg. <laughs> going 200 miles an hour. But I was like, look, if you don't think I'm good enough, that's fair. Just tell me, and I'll work on it and come back. But don't hire me. And know that I'm not going to, probably not going to be good enough and then, you know, have to let me go. I would rather just wait and reapply. Like, I don't want to, I don't find out that way, basically, you know, just, it's okay if I'm not good enough. Like, but know that I'm actively seeking somewhere where I can work on that. And she's like, okay, well, how about this? How about you do a two week trial? And I was like, well, here's the thing. I'm still employed over there. Right. She's like, well. How bad do you want to work over here? And I was like, well played, madam. Yeah. So I went back over there and I was like, I'm resigning. Okay. To do a two week friggin' trial. It may or may not work out with no backup and not a very good reel. This is what I do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. But I think it demonstrates what, you know, as an employer, at least an older person, as an employer, looking back, I think it demonstrates a certain like commitment. Right. Like you're, you're willing to give up your sure thing on this, maybe knowing that it's a lot of work for you. Sure. You're, you know, you're, you're further away from the mark than we want a potential candidate to be, but you know, maybe we can work with it. Right. And so, yeah, they worked with it for six years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Uh, and so I started on the night shift and it was great. It was like, I mean, like, I just remember having the time of my life. It was the cool projects. I, you know, and I, you know, I grew up fairly sheltered. I grew up on military bases. So there's a lot of different people and, and stuff, but mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of different people from around the world. And so at Method, right. I was around, you know, a lot of different, like, there were people from France, there were people from England, there were people from South Africa. I mean, so I was getting, I was meeting so many people and learning so much and being exposed to, I mean, everything. There were guys who used to own record shops and they digitized their record collections before, you know, before that was a thing. And I had this whole world of music. And I just remember going in there every day and they would hand me some crazy shit like, you know. Right. Uh, you know, this whale just ate this guy and then used to say Mountain Dew on his tail, you know, you need to remove this or prep that or, you know, whatever. I think that was actually somebody else's shot, but, right. you know, stuff like that. And it was just these crazy, unique, one of a kind tasks. And I would get right. to sit in a room all night with like the biggest collection of music ever. Right. And just like do my thing. And I loved it and for like six years. That was kind of like. Yeah. That was what I did until eventually that company also kind of had its part and, yeah. you know, had a split in sort of direct creative direction of what they wanted to do. Um, and at that point, I was just like, I'm out. I don't want to do this for anybody anymore. <laughs> I think you left you left around the same time that I did. Right. I think so. probably it was it was a difficult transition. I don't yeah. think it was anybody was having a super great time. Um, so I, I think a but, lot of people but, left during that era of change. I, I just remember. So when, when I came to method, obviously, you know, you, I think you remember I came in cause they were, they were going to try to do, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, bring their 3d portion to a different level and they wanted to get more into car commercials and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, I was introduced, uh, to you as, uh, it's funny that you talked about yourself as this kind of naive little person because you were a vocal person you still are but you were a vocal person <laughs> and i was very appreciative of uh, you making your fine points uh, as needed uh and i was like i like this girl she is cracking me up and boy she does not take shit for <laughs> no you were great and so it was a, a lot of fun working with you and i think you and i worked on that niece that crazy nissan commercial we did a uh -huh. we did a bunch of little projects together uh, and it was it was a lot of fun hanging out with you and, and doing those projects. So I think we bonded on a lot, and yeah. it was kind of that nice was a to good me. Time. Oh yeah, it was a really. It was good so time. nice to have you know like it was, you know, to say it wasn't difficult to see the company split would you know be a lie, but it was interesting you know this moment in time where it was just like to see the possibilities of how that shop was going to open up and expand and all sort of like all the potential of what of what sort of you guys coming on board represented you know this right. super high-end you know more facility-based more structure more you know mm -hmm. a, a whole different affair really and i had not worked in a shop that was sort of structured and put together like that um right. and at the end of the day i don't think a lot of flames end up in shops that are structured and put together like that because you know they i don't know they just seem to be a hitch more often well, than not, and that's maybe that's better now. But at the time, it was really just like you guys difficult were to conform. <laughs> yeah, difficult for us to conform into what right. things should and shouldn't be named and where they shouldn't shouldn't go. And you know, everybody was sort of like it was really like the Wild West. You had your horse, which was your machine, and you you know you rode it off and <laughs> situated what needs situating. Sure. 
Um, and it wasn't always, you know, it was rarely a sequence of any kind of, of big right. visual effects. No, there's, there's huge exceptions to that, of course, but, um, but it yeah. was neat. You know, I loved seeing Nuke come in and all the things it was capable of and just be like, holy crap, why isn't that over here? Like, why can't we have that in here? This is amazing. Look at this. Right. Um, and just a whole nother level, a whole different type of compositing, because obviously I hadn't been exposed to any of that at that point. So. Sure. It was kind of cool. It was like digital domain kind of came and sat in the shop. And I was, again, that kid walking into all the offices going, what are you doing? Tell me what well, you're I, doing. <laughs> I think one of the things that I, I, I mean, I think you're giving yourself not enough credit because honestly, there was a lot of stuff that you did. And I learned from you a lot. I don't know if you know this, but I learned a lot from you uh, uh, because, you know, from my lens, especially when I was at, you know, before that I was at Sway, we were very much a 3D place and solved everything with 3D problems, right? In a lot of ways. Uh, and then it, when I started to hang out with you and work in, you know, more on the flame side of things, because we did have some flame stuff that we were doing at Sway, but it was like, here, just there's some problems. You fix them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, there's I don't a know, fire. Just, Here's well, a hopefully at the other, by, by the time it leaves you, it's not going to have those problems anymore. But, uh, but with you, it was much more like I, we, we bonded in a lot of ways and we, we communicated pretty well. And I think one of the things that was great, especially to me was when you and I communicated about stuff uh, on set and yeah, you would tell me, here's fun. how I'm going to solve this with the flame where, and therefore you don't have to think about that. Or I'll say, okay, but I can give you this. And so suddenly like, oh, and it was a really great experience of us brainstorming from a different point of view when we're looking yeah. at a plate and looking at how they're going to shoot it. And that was like, and I learned okay. a lot too, because I had never really been able to hear anything from the CG perspective. You know, someone would come in with be like, here's what you want to bid or here's what the thing is. Right. And then they go to someone else and I would never see the summation of the two. <clears throat> so it was, it was really cool. I was like, you can do that in 3d and it's just that easy. And you know, you could mix this and do that. And if I gave right. you this, you could give me that. It was neat. I felt like I had just been given a giant set of Legos. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you see, you did you did learn a little about Z-Depth at that point. <laughs> I did a little bit. The great part about CG, in my opinion, is that it gets rendered. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to me. Yep. Yep. It's when I did, it's I do remember around there was, in the ether. There was, some, there was some flame artists, and this was many, many years ago, and it just sort of showed how much they were in their little world. They actually asked for me to render all of my CG elements over green because they, they didn't want to use alphas. Like, it was too confusing to use alphas. They'd rather key a green than do an alpha. And I was like, wow. That makes my heart hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But obviously, that was a long time ago and a different person, yes. and that doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, so okay, so so uh, so after after your your six years at Method, which was uh, obviously very formidable, that that was your career launching uh, in yeah. a lot of ways, I think, right? Yeah, that for sure. I mean, when I when I left that place, it was sort of like, where do you want to go? Right. And at that time, I you know, I was just like pretty much one thousand percent burnt out, just. 1000% burnt out. Mm -hmm. And so I took a job at this little <laughs> super tiny facility in the middle of nowhere in New Zealand. And I was like, I'll just go over there and I'll find me a hobbit and I'll get married and I'll just, you know, I'll work at this little flame shop and no one will ever see me again. You know, it's just like, right. I'm going I over remember here. That, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to anymore. And it, you know, I went over there and it turns out that, you know, same shit, different day. Right. So it was the same shit, different day in terms of advertising. But then on top of it, 
there's no work. So for my whole first year there, I think I did two projects. I mean, you can imagine I was doing probably 10 projects a month. Right. You know, at one point. <laughs> right. And two in a year. That's entirely too much free time for Katrina. Right. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, Go crazy. this is where we yeah. start to have probably problems with management and so forth. Yeah. So, uh-huh. just, that's just too much free time for me to do things and say things. Um, uh-huh. So we agreed that after a year, I didn't need to finish my two-year contract. Um, right. And I came back and it was, everyone was like, you are so stupid. Everything's horrible. Everything's closing. There's a recession. There's no work. You know, you should have stayed. This is 2008, um, I guess, right? Yeah, it was the year Asylum went under. And the only reason I know oh, that right. is because I did a job with them and I got my paycheck. And then the next thing I know, everyone who had worked at Asylum was calling each other and being like, if you have stuff in that building, you better go get it. And I was like, what? Right. The hell? And like, what planet am I on? I'd been gone for like, you know, a year and some change at that point. Right. Like, Asylum is going under? Are you serious right now? Like, that doesn't yeah. even seem possible. Um, you know, because, you know, there's such a mainstay. I don't know if anybody, if people recall them or not, but they were, they were very formative mm-hmm. in terms of, of what people like me do. So, um, yeah. But again, from, from them going under, which sort of is the cycle of visual effects, I guess, new companies get born, new talent mixes, new things happen. So I ended up sort of just freelancing around for a long time, actually, because I just didn't want to be staff anymore. I was like, I just kind of want to had the ability to say, yeah, I want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Or at least whatever. I just sort of didn't want to be married to one thing. I had had right. a bad divorce. <laughs> I was just not interested. Um, but I ended up basically permalancing with the mission, which was a bunch of asylum alumni. Okay. Uh, before moving to Oregon, getting married and moving to Oregon. And I thought I would just fly back and forth to LA and do freelance gigs. And, you know, that would be fine. Uh, and Wyden and Kennedy found me and they're like, Hey, do you want to come over here and yeah. you know, be the flame artist at our, at our editorial place? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not really an editorial type flame artist. You know, I'm more of a, if you're wanting to up your ability to do shots or you want to have someone on hand who can do more complicated stuff or whatever, but like, you don't want me messing around in the timeline and stuff like that. <laughs> Let right. me just tell you, it's a gigantic waste of your money to put me messing around in your timelines. And, you know, cause at my, t- at that time it was mostly a smoke shop. They literally, when I went in, it was like fighting over whether or not I was going to operate a smoke or a flame. And I was like, look, I'm going to operate a fucking flame. Right. <laughs> what's just so people happen. know the difference between a smoke and a flame. <laughs> I do, I do know, but a, a smoke is more for conform and for editorial in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all sort of come together now and the platform's very different. But at the time, it was very, very segregated. It was, you know, there was smoke and that was for basically online editing so on, mm-hmm. and delivering and mastering and doing stuff like that. And then there was, was it Flare at that time? Was it called something else? There's Flare, which is basically like, here's just the compositing nuts and bolts out of Flame. Right. And then there's Flame, which is you get the timeline that's associated with all the stuff these guys are doing in Smoke, plus the compositing environment that's included uh, right. with Flare, which is this this is your shot work thing. So now you have it together. Right. Now you can do all this cool interchangeable stuff. You can lead projects. You can blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, we're not we're not fixing to do this on a Smoke. Like, are you, you want to do this or not? Like, right. 
like you don't hire me for that right basically <laughs> it's like freelanced for a while and i did a couple smoke jobs and was like see you don't really want me this i'm not this is not for me right um but they had a really strong smoke guy and they decided ultimately that they wanted to sort of incorporate more more of a traditional flame artist role mm-hmm. um so they gave me a room and they were like okay we're gonna we're gonna get this up and going and so for i think it was is it four years i can't remember three or four years i had a, a small room there with an assistant a couple of assistants actually it was great like i had like this tight little crew that came out of nowhere and they were so differently capable Right. That they they made an amazingly capable unit and it was so unassuming, you know, and I think it really bit us in the butt in the end because we were so unassuming and so available and so close. We sort of people were like, no, that's not possible. I know that guy. Yeah. He was he was an edit assistant six months ago. I'm like, yeah, but six months ago I walked over there and saw him compositing and I went to the head of the editing department and was like, look here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not the best use of his time. Right. You know, and, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, I was constantly like, no, that guy is, you know, a capable colorist and he needs a color suite. And so we were able to kind of put together in conjunction with the editors, a, a truly inclusive shop for anyone who didn't want CG. We couldn't do CG. That was sort of our crux at the end. Right. Uh, so, but that was great. You know, it felt really cool. We accomplished that. We put it together and then, you know, and then there was another bubble burst. And I went, mm-hmm. I watched Wyden and Kennedy go from 600 people to about 300 and towards mm. the end of it i was i was one of them but i had just had a baby uh so i was like well i'll just take this i'll just take this as my sign to just stay home for a while now <laughs> so right but it, it was a weirdly weird journey from like this kid who really wanted to do movie effects and just sort of like fell into a flame or you know fell into a shop with a flame and was like oh hold the phone and to end up then at an advertising agency and in New Zealand and all these sort of like crazy sideways places. I don't, you know, I don't know how people become flame artists anymore. And I look back and I'm like, I don't even know how I became a flame artist. It's such a strange path and nobody's is the same. Nobody I've ever talked to was like, Oh yeah, I lived in a hostel and applied for an internship and walked in on the lunch break of everybody. I think most, most, it's interesting because I think most stories I hear of flame artists is usually someone that is uh, very bright, but slightly naive at the same time going, I think I want to do that. And then I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. And then then someone saying, you know, someone who obviously is a flame artist goes, that person. Yeah, that that person's got the right attitude and then we're just going to toy with them, right? Calling you Rotomonkey, like it's exactly, yeah, that, that's how it starts, right? Yeah. I had one guy uh, who used to just tell me to open my eye. Open your eye. Don't you see this is shit? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some more creative yeah. feedback would be useful. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was funny though. I mean, it was there was a time where you really couldn't do it without... Ha- I'm going to say apprenticing, but almost apprenticing. Yeah. Where you went into a shop as something that wasn't a flame artist. You expressed interest. They gave you a shot. Someone said, okay, that person's work is okay. They gave you tips. And then, right. you know, by the end of X amount of time, when you're ready, when you were ready to go and be your own flame artist, the first thing anyone ever asked me, I never had to give anyone a reel. All they wanted was the name of the, the last person I worked with, you know, like who taught you. 
and I would right. be like, you know, Cedric, at, Cedric and Alex at right. Method. And they're like, we're going to call them. And they would, sure as shit, <laughs> send right. emails and call and, you know, and then that would be enough. I wouldn't have to send a reel. I wouldn't have to do a yep. lot of things. It was, it was enough. And that's, I mean, maybe I'm antiquated, but I kind of missed that where it's just like you, you know, I felt really lucky that I got to have an assistant when I was at Joint. Just be like, here, here's some of the stuff that's not in the YouTube videos. Here this, here's some of the sitting in the chair, basic, like advice, right. make your life, make your room, make your client experience better yep. type stuff. Like this is the stuff that you, you know, you're not going to learn by hitting the buttons on the machine. Um, and it felt good to share that, you know, and it also felt good because, you know, when you have an assistant, they're usually into the other, the newer stuff. And so they're over there poking around and every once in a while, you know, they're like, Hey, look at this. And all of a sudden. You know, they open up a whole door on a button or a set of features that you would have sort of been like, eh, I know how to do that my old way. So right. I do sort of like miss the era of an assistant and sort of coming up as an apprentice. But it seems more or less now that you can kind of train yourself online. and Yes, no. Make I yourself mean, available, I guess. I don't I, know how anyone does there, it. Listen, there, to, a, to a point, to a point, and it, and it because, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's something about the way that people when you're I, first of all i don't know if you can go to school uh and learn flame and become a certified flame artist i mean there's got to be some level of that but really i think that most f people who are successful flame artists learn it through that internship path or that apprenticeship path because you're not just learning how to push the buttons <laughs> a flame artist a flame artist actually has a huge amount of client interfacing it's extremely do. stressful it's a, a very high-end problem solving and project management with a room while there's like four and five people in the room who may or may not right. be paying attention to what's going on yeah it's you know i've i i myself had you know pretty long burnout period sure um and i know a lot of people do because of that you know it's just like it'd be hard enough just doing the work on the deadline doing the work on the deadline and then managing the project and managing the room, you know, that's people always say, well, what's the difference between a flame artist and a compositor? Like, why don't you just call yourself a compositor? And I'm like, I would love to just be a compositor. Like that's, right. I dream about <laughs> just like yeah. putting shots together and handing them off into the ether and being like, good night. Right. <laughs> but, nope. You know, it's, that's your clients come in at this time. They want to see this. They're going to ask to change about seven things. And, yeah. A lot of me learning Flame was actually learning how to build a composite to be edited after the fact. Yeah. When I first started, the most frustrating thing would be client notes because I hadn't built in a way that accommodated, I want that to be purple or I want to move that to, it didn't accommodate everything being moved after the fact. I thought that it just needed to look good the one time. Right. And so like being able to learn to build a comp in a way where you just try to think like a client, what on earth could these people want? So everything you do, you're just like, okay. I have to be able to change it and have it not be like a two-day affair. I mean, someday it's a, it's a two-day affair. That's just sure. some, some requests are like that. But I think that was like the main thing about the difference between being like a flame artist is that you have to be ready for every single, and it's random stuff. Like, I don't like that thing in the corner of the frame, you know? I don't like that there's a flash in that guy's watch when, you know, I don't like the green thing on his glasses. I mean, that thing right. in front of his eyeball the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's interesting, but there's a whole gamut. There's everything from the editorial finishing to like the layering up of lots of effects and layers and fun stuff. But yeah, I'm often curious now because I've been out of it for a while. Like I'm curious. It's, I know there's a lot of AI tools in there now and it's integrating shotgun. There's all this kind of cool stuff that they're trying to get sure. going. And I feel like they're a little bit late to the game. They're probably going to send me a bunch of hate mail, but. Uh, I feel like they've been pretty late to the game on some of the stuff, but I've I've picked it up again recently, um, and it's like, oh yeah, this is you know the stuff works the way I thought it should work three or four years ago when they started introducing it, um, sure. and it's I, it was kind of neat to pick it back up for the first time this year in like four years and be like, what's new in here? What's what's different? How are they even approaching this product line anymore? Because there's been so much right. change. <laughs> so. Yep. Well, I've but, been yeah. I've been. I've been lucky. My my as as you, I think you remember. My wife is a, a flame artist, and so she's been working on, you know, from the pandemic out of the bedroom. So I get to see her working on her flame all day long, uh, and doing a bunch of work. And I'm like, oh my god, the stuff she has to fix is just kind of like, okay. But I don't. The thing is, she. I'm looking at how she's fixing it, and it's you know, the thing is, it's perfect. It's a perfect fit. It's amazing, right? Flame is just really good at painting and fixing things. Like and it really is. It and and you. I don't. I haven't seen another tool that does it as well as the flame does. Uh, or as, I haven't seen a tool that lets you get it in and out of the edit. Yeah, to have all the features and the edit right there at the same time, so yep. that when the client's like, "I don't like that thing," it's just like, "There's no." Well, I'll export that to the team, and we'll get that back right. in and. Um, but yeah. yeah, it is. It, I mean, it really is. And I think it's born out of that. You know, they've always been building off the original build and the original user feedback. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a lot to do with, you know, workflows and tools that are, they're liquid. I mean, you can watch a, a flame person give 10 flame guys the same shot and, you know, you'll probably get seven different variations of a setup. You know, everybody's sure. so different. And now... I went it the other day and there were so many tools that were duplicated in places. You know, I can do it like this or like that. And I was like, good Lord, you know, good luck. Good. Yeah. This is death by choice a little bit right now, but you know, yep. there's, there's a lot of ways to approach solving the problem in flame now. Um, sure. I don't know that I'm, you know, I'm versed in all of them particularly, especially with the newer stuff, but it's been interesting. I'm going to keep poking at it and see. I mean, are you still? I mean, obviously, you know, you 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 took a you know a little step back from from being on the flame, and you're you're raising a family, which is great. Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> are you happy? I mean, are you, are you having a good I time? Am. It's yeah. been crazy. Yeah, you know, I you know it was a little bit of a surprise to be pregnant, and so <laughs> it was it was a happy surprise, but it was just it like, happens, oh man, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if I'm mom material. You know, I kind of cuss a lot, and I like to drink, and you know, just like these things. <laughs> Um, but it was, you know, it was good. I had, I had her and I got laid off and it was just like, it should have been the greatest thing where it was just like, I was with her and, uh, could focus on her and then have this sort of thing. But I ended up having, uh, a thyroid condition at the same time. Oh. Um, hold on, your piece is going to fall out now, but, uh, it was undiagnosed for a very long time. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, having her and moving somewhere with so much less sunlight has totally messed up my body chemistry to a point that was like, 
completely debilitating for me as a person, but I didn't know it because it had Mm. happened so slowly. So, you know, it went from, you know, I'm going to take this year off and I'm going to be a mom. It's going to be great. Then I'm going to go back in easy and freelance and all the stuff turned into, you know, three, three years dealing with the thyroid thing and figuring out what that was and just like, what the hell? I don't know if you've known anyone who's had a thyroid thing, but it's Mm. like, like nothing I can explain It is. It doesn't even hurt because I I didn't even feel it happen. You know, you just, it keeps messing. For me, it was the inability of uh, vitamin D and calcium to sort of link up and get into my body correctly. So uh, if you can't get your vitamin D and your calcium to link up and do the right things, you can't actually be happy. You can't produce happiness. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so... And so I was just like, you know, I I had got diagnosed with postpartum and I was like, okay, that makes sense. I feel that, you know, so Mm -hmm. I started taking the medicine and stuff and, uh, some way into it, I just had this thing where I was like, this isn't what's wrong. Like I feel different. I don't feel better. I feel different. And I don't think that this is what's wrong. I think this is a symptom of something bigger. And, you know, I, I got a lot of, that's very nice. You just have postpartum and you just need to take your medicine. Right. Uh, so, you know, part of that sort of <laughs> figuring all that stuff out was I just basically threw all the medicine away one day. I was like, fuck you. And changed mm-hmm. doctors. And uh, realized real quick that something else was wrong. Like, just as, as all those chemicals were changing and going back the way they were, I had really a really painful ordeal and basically at the end of it someone finally ran a test and was like oh gee your such and such level is off the chart do you ever feel like this and they gave me this list and i said i've reported every single thing on that list right i've said i've complained of every single thing on that list and no one's listened to me and all anyone's wanted to do is give me mood altering drugs yeah. Yeah. yeah and they were like well Good for you. You were right. But, you know, now we want to cut into your throat and take out the thing. And I'm just like, you know, I just met you. (laughs) (laughs) You've been wrong about everything. And now you don't even want to buy me dinner. You try to take out my body parts. (laughs) So, uh, anyway. (laughs) It was for real. I was like, I don't know you. That's my purse. I was I was ready to fight a surgeon. I was like, you better get over yonder. <laughs> um, <laughs> so ultimately, I went back and forth with the, with the surgeon and the medical team quite a bit. And I did we did image everything. We found it and removed it. But it was like literally within ten days of the thing being removed, I could feel that I was feeling better. Wow. And I. And they were, and they, I was just like, how come no one ever checked for this? You know, like, and they said, well, we don't check people under 60 for that. It's rare for anyone wow. under 60 to have it. And I'm like, that's the only reason you didn't. Test. But anyway, so my hiatus went from one year to like four years. Okay. Because we're, you know, trying to figure out like why mommy can't wake up and right. remember stuff. <laughs> so, uh so we figured that out, thank God. And it was, I was lucky to have a couple of people in the community who were still like, look, it's like riding a bike. We're going to get you on a couple flame jobs. It's going to be fine. Sure. Um, 
so I did that for a little bit and then 2020 happened and I was like, well, Fukunaker, I think what everybody else said too at the same time. So so I Fukunakered, um, and, uh, you know, I had a couple of stories I was working on. And so that's when I got into doing the fiction podcasts and, yeah, tell people about that because that I want to know more about that. Go ahead, tell the story. <laughs> so yeah, I was sitting at home like, man, I really want to, I really want to go back to work, but I also really can't get off the floor or remember things or seem to be able to concentrate. And at this time, I didn't know why. I was like, I just, right. I'm burnt out. Was what I thought. I can't go back. I'm still too burnt out. I've, you know, just, I just became a mom. I just changed job. This is, this is normal. Everything will be okay. And that's so it's kind of funny to say that because that's sort of the theme of the first podcast is like the sort of idea that you could just, you know, everything's going to be okay. You just keep believing that. But no, things aren't ever just kind of going to be okay. You have to do something. Um, So I kind of had this idea for a a haunted, a twist on a haunted house story that involved a fungus. (laughs) Um, And I'd never written anything before. You know, I have notebooks of ideas and stuff, but I never actually sat down and went beginning, middle, end. Right. Um, and I was, you know, I was really searching for a hobby at this time because I, you know, I was tired all the time. I was frustrated and it was going on and I just didn't have enthusiasm for anything. I was just desperate for something to be enthusiastic about and realize it just wasn't possible <laughs> to be enthusiastic. So, right. um, you know, it, it got to the point where I was just like, I'm going to try to write this story. And so I sat down and I sort of started writing on it. And uh, a friend, a random friend at a coffee shop was like, hey, that guy over there is a writer. He does writing coaching. Maybe you could you could hire him and he could help you, you know, finish that because you should finish that. That's, that's a good idea. Finish that. Okay. And so I, I phoned him up and I was like, hey, man, I don't know you. You don't know me. Someone just told me you're a writing coach. Is that a real thing? Have I been tricked? Is this an elaborate joke? And he's like, no, it's a real thing. Here's my rate. Um, and oh, yeah. so I worked with him, you know, and it was good for me because it gave me someone to talk to and sort of like, you know, sure. work through, uh, you know, just, it was just nice. You know, I was like, this is great. People should, everybody should do this. So I, I did that for a couple months, probably like six months. Uh, and at the mm-hmm. end I had a screenplay and I was like, screenplay, like why, who, I have no cameras, no friends, no Hollywood money. Like, why did I write a screenplay? Literally, like, <laughs> looking at this thing, like, why, why have I spent all this time and energy doing this? And I think, you know, the answer is that I clearly needed to process some things. But uh, I was sitting on it, and a friend of mine, another flame artist, kept saying, you know, you should, you should make a podcast out of that. And I was like, right. I, don't, I don't like podcasts. I don't, I just, they're Thanks not my thing. <laughs> you know, at that time, I was just like... It's, you know, you, as a flame artist, you get clients in your ear all day. So like the last thing I want to do is listen to more people talk. Like I literally, okay. I don't even yeah. want new people to sing. I'm like, just put on the lo-fi ambient station, right? <laughs> like every compositor ever. Um, right. And so I was just like, no. And then also in, in the screenplay, you know, the villain is a fungus. It has no right. body. It has no mouth. It has no motivation that I can express without having a narrator go. And then the evil fungus who was mad because <laughs> You know, I was just like, this is, this is, no, I'm not doing this. And so that was 2019 Then 2020 happened and um, everyone was sitting at home with nothing to do. And I was sitting on it and I was like, man, and my buddy was just like, you got to make that podcast. <laughs> and so I ended up doing it 
And I didn't know a single thing about audio, about writing for radio, about recording, about actors, about music. I just, it's way over here. I'm a, for me, it's funny because I'm such a visual person and I've had such a visual career to go and do a podcast is to basically like take your eyeballs and put them in your ears and try to do what you do as a flame artist. And it's like right. been maddening that I've chosen to do something so similar to being a flame artist <laughs> right. on this other side. But basically, you know, I, I made all the mistakes. I grumbled and fussed and it was difficult and rewarding and all the things. And I popped out the other end with the podcast. Um, and I was like, this is terrible. I'm terrible. I'm never doing this again. And I just like closed the book on it. I had exhausted myself like in every way. I was so far out of my comfort zone on so many levels. I was just friggin' exhausted by the end of this thing. Also, it was 2020 and we were moving and Oregon was on fire and there right. was a pandemic. So there was, <laughs> and it was an election year. So there was a little bit of extra stress. Right. Um, and so, you know, at the end of it, I was just like, well, I'm glad I did that for myself and for, for everybody, but I don't think I'll do that again. And a little bug in my head said, you know, you should submit that into this podcast festival. There's only three in the whole nation at this point. You know, your people worked on it. People put effort into it. Don't be, don't be that way, boo. <laughs> submit it and see what, see what other people think. Sure. So, and, and we were getting very few listens and stuff at that time. So I was just like, no one's listening. No one cares about doing that. <laughs> the ultimate cheerleader yeah so so uh so i did it though i just i kind of got, got over myself and was like no I, I should do this uh and i was literally riding around in the back seat of a car with my family they visit uh family graves i forget which holiday it is memorial day maybe mm -hmm. and they drive all over oregon visiting all the way back to the guy who came over on the oregon trail and they visit every grave that they know and we take a rose to every single one Right. And so we're driving around doing this and I'm sitting in the back seat and I get a text, you know, an email, it's not a text message. And it's just mm -hmm. like, you, you know, you've been nominated. You've and you know, I forget which one, because it, it ultimately we got nominated in two of the three festivals and we won, uh, in one of them, but it was, I was just like over the course of two weeks. So, you know, I started hearing that we were getting nominated and winning things. And I honestly like shocking. Couldn't believe it. That's um, awesome. Because it's so experimental, you know, I knew yeah, as, as a creator, I think the, the, the hardest part is familiarity, familiarity. You get so close to it that all you can kind of see is the stuff you wish you'd done different or the mistakes that you made or, you know, you, it's sort of a forest for the trees thing. Um, and so I was shocked and we got the thing and I emailed the team. I was like, holy cow, you know, um, and I was like, that's great. I'm happy we could do this. This seems like the fairy tale ending. I'm just going to kind of like shut the book on this and I'm going to write. I think I'll write. I'm going to try to acquire a manager and sell ideas, but I don't ever want to make another podcast again. Like that was, that almost killed me. That was supposed to be my hobby and it literally turned it into a flame job. <laughs> just yeah. Like, so many things to fix and people to wrangle and, you know, just technical issues and stuff. Um, and so no sooner had I written the next story, because the trilogy, the what I'm doing right now, and mm -hmm. um, I closed the lid on it, and I was like, I'm not writing it for radio. I'm not considering it for radio. It's a screenplay. I'm going to try to make a portfolio of screenplays and stuff. Mm -hmm. I like literally the next day, this guy named Michael Cavender emailed me. He's like, hey, do you remember me? I, you know, Of course I remember you. You were a voice on my other podcast. I helped you with your mm -hmm. logo. Like, what's up? 
He's like, I was just curious if you're going to do another podcast. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, I was like, well, here's the thing. If you know, but (laughs) if you're interested, because I was actually a really big fan in the first podcast, he plays and directs uh, a little interlude that goes back in time. And there's a, a, group of Mormons that live in the house before the current couple. And it's sort of like what happens to the Mormons. And right. so I, I was running out of time and resources when I was doing stuff. And I like cold called him after seeing him rehearse with someone else for like five minutes. I just cold called him. I was like, do you want to direct these Mormons? And he's like, you mean cast and direct? I'm like, yeah, I, I don't even want to explain to you what's going on with everything else right now. But if you are interested, I could use some help. I don't right. It. And he's like, sure. And I, that's my favorite part of the podcast. Like they did such a great job. And of course, you know, they're theatrically like trained professionals. Sure. They're actually, actually actors who use their voices uh, yeah. regularly. Um, and so when he called for the next one, I was like, man, universe, you can't offer me up real actors. <laughs> Cause before it was just kind of like me calling my friends. And there were there was one actor, and I was so grateful. Bless her heart. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad for her for having to deal with all of his amateurs. But, um, you know, I, I after the the first one, I was like, you know, I feel like pretty strongly that directors need to be in the room, and that actors mm-hmm. need to be together for the type of storytelling that I want to do. I don't I don't want closet performances. Right. And I would. Um, and so he was like, yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to, I'll cast it from my troupe. I've got a troupe that does this sort of really cool stage show where we take a person's life uh, and make a one man show about it. And we don't tell them and they come in and they have to perform in their story of their life on the same night as, you know, like all live at once. So yeah. they do this super cool thing. Um, but anyway, I was like, yeah, I love you guys. You guys are, I love all your things. Yeah. Take my script. I'll get back in touch with you. So uh, you know, of course, it's always a roller coaster from point A to point B, but it all ended up working out where I could get them in a studio to record. And I was like, well, OK. So, yeah, we started doing that. And uh, I just sent it off for music last week, actually. And I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm hoping to release it in March. But, yeah, I went from I'm never doing this again to like my next one comes out in March. So. That's amazing. It's crazy. That's so I mean, I don't think you would ever think that that would have been a thing. No, never, never, ever. It's crazy. Like, and so then be on top of it, basically, you know, I've ended up selling a house and moving to the country and all the things. And so I, I ended up, this is my first year back as a flame artist as well. So I'm now kind of, Oh, you're doing flame co- too now. <laughs> I literally, I literally accepted a, a thing this morning like before I got on here. Okay. <laughs> so yesterday, no, um, but yeah, you know, it was just like we're we're re- we're pretty remote, and there's not a lot of job opportunities. I wasn't sure what the market was going to be like for a 40 year old mom who's like, "Hey, I got a thing." <laughs> uh, but it turns out it was pretty good. So uh, yeah, I, w- I wanted to continue just full time on the podcast, but it's like one of those things where uh, we have, you know, bills. I don't know if anybody else has these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's amazing that you found this other thing. I do too. It's been such a weird side trip. And here's the weirdest thing about it. I went, so I'm a strange person. We've established this probably. Um, so part of this, this thing was I finished the podcast. We sold our house. We moved to Southern Oregon to combine 
to live with our extended family. Okay. On on a little bit of acreage that they have out here. Okay. Um, but after we moved and everything, he came here. I was like, look, I'm gonna go crazy. Like, you can't just lock me in a house with my in-laws after all of the stuff that we just went through. I can't, like, I can't, I don't think this is a good idea. So mm-hmm. I, I made my husband drive to Washington and buy this 1972 Airstream. And, <laughs> and I said, now, here's the thing. I want this Airstream and you will take me to see my mama. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen my mama in many years. Right. Uh, and she demands to see my daughter and I demand to see my mama and you will put this thing behind that truck and you will take me to Arkansas immediately. (laughs) (laughs) So we, so we did that for, uh, for four months and that was super cool. Uh, and we came back here and I lost my train of thought already because I was just thinking about that trip, but, um, yeah, so we were, we were moving here and we took the trip and we came back and I, yeah, you know, I lost my train of thought totally, but well, I love that I Airstream. Think, first of all, I think it's awesome that you're podcasting out of an Airstream. So that, oh, that's that was awesome. the thing. While I was at home, that was the thing. So I've mentioned briefly or not, I don't know. Uh, my, I'm from a military base. My dad yep. is a, my dad's a pretty hardcore dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he's much nicer now. But <laughs> <laughs> he was a special forces guy. So you can yeah. imagine. Yeah, he's pretty intense, dude. So he didn't really encourage a lot of stuff when I was growing up. Like he was supportive in that, like, I will motivate you type of way, but not in the, like, that's a beautiful picture or like you're singing is lovely when it isn't. (laughs) So there wasn't a lot of like support of the creative arts kind of a thing. He wasn't against it, but he just didn't really know how to support it. So um, it was a great shock to him when I went to art school. Uh, So anyway, I'm we're I'm back at the house. We've got our airstream, and my mom comes out. And she's like, "I've got this tub of stuff from when you were a kid and in high school and stuff, and I want you to take it with you and keep it with you. It's your stuff. It's your memories. You have them." I was like, "Okay," and she's like, "But I want you to sit down and go through them all with me before I give them up." I'm like, "Okay." So we're going through these tubs, and uh, I'm just pulling writing award after writing award after writing award out of these things, and I'm like, "Mom." I did this. And she's like, yeah, you were all the time winning some kind of English award. And I was like, I have no, literally no recollection of this. And she's like, I said, I said, I never showed any interest in pursuing writing. And she's like, never even once. And I was, she's like, we all thought you would do something, you know, something with it. And I was like, okay. So a couple of days later, I'm in the car with my dad and, uh, we're driving off somewhere and yeah, he's like, you know, when I was in the military, I wrote and, you know, I wrote adventures for Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And I submitted to Dragon Magazine and right before I deployed to Iraq, they were going to pick up one of my stories. They had sent me back a couple of edits that they wanted and they were going to publish me, but I deployed to Iraq two days later and I never got to submit it back in. He's like, right. And I was like, really? All this time. He's like, yeah. So, you know, I think you should keep doing what you're doing. And I was like. <laughs> are you are you my real parent? Yeah. <laughs> Did I fall through some alternate dimension? Yeah. But he was like, yeah, you know, like. I, I feel like you've always sort of been good at it. You you know, I I enjoyed doing it. 
I think you should keep doing it. He actually sent me the microphone I'm talking to you on today. He's like, here, take wow. this. Like, keep. I was just like shocked. So it was just sort of a lot of encouragement. And then Michael had gotten in touch with me at the same time. So I got a lot of encouragement kind of all at the same time sure. to keep going. So, but yeah, it was really strange. I just sort of fell into the writing because I, I just, I feel like I didn't have anyone to talk to and I had all this sort of stuff on my mind and things that were going on. And, you know, we were all cooped up and no one could talk to anyone. And I had been that way for three years before the, you know, before 2020. So it was like the sure. fourth year of hell. I was just like, I have to do something. I literally am going to go insane. Um, and yeah, I just couldn't, I can't believe that it turned into a podcast that you can click on Spotify or whatever, and you can listen to it. And, it, you know, to this day, I won't go back and listen to it because I'm just too hard on myself, but. I feel like I learned so much on it that I'm really, really excited about the next one. Like, I was, I was kind of, like, I was mad for a minute when I got out. You know, you're gonna do this, and then I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna do this." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's not yeah. every day. And then I ended up sort of being able to work with a local band uh, named We Are Parasols that are, they're great. Like nobody outside of here probably knows very much about them, but you know. In my mind's eye, they're really, really similar to. They approach what we're doing very similar to the uh, to the way that Trent Reznor sort of approaches shifting from music to to scoring things. And I think it's something mm -hmm. that could be really interesting in the podcast space now that people want more immersive, more experiential thing to have a, a band who's kind of famous for having soundscapes and layers and layers, and but also being musical and emotional, like telling you, telling a story through the music. Sure. Um, so it's super cool and super helpful when you've got a villain who doesn't open their mouth and talk <laughs> to, to basically give it to the musicians and be like, you know, this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd like it to move to out tone. of horror eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to move out of horror eventually and stuff. But I was actually just talking to my husband this morning because we were, you know, like, are you going to take this job? You know, you said you want to do these podcasts. You know what a commitment flame is. You know, you have a daughter, you know, there's... Something's got to give, you know, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't put the same amount of effort in. So it was like, well, I think I'm going to do that thing everybody does, which is like try to find the balance, you know. It's, sure. I like the podcast. I want to do the podcast. I'd love to monetize it and for that to be a thing that I could do and support my family. But, you know, fiction podcasts aren't really in that space right now unless you're already... Um, a name, but I did get asked to pitch to a couple to a couple of people, so that was exciting. Like year one, I I don't know, I don't know, Katrina. I think there's first of all, uh, um, okay. Before we before I go, where can people find your podcast? Just in case people want to want to listen to this in, after in they case, listen to this episode. In case you want to, but you should you should wait until March and listen to the next one. But if you. <laughs> If you must, it's called Priced to Sell, uh, and it is a fiction podcast. It's 10-minute episodes. There are 10 of them, and they're available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, well, it's Apple, uh, iHeartRadio, right. sure. Audible, all the things. Wherever you places. get your podcasts. Yeah. Yes, wherever podcasts <laughs> yeah. are sold. And there's no commercials right. right now. We sort of like made a collective agreement with ourselves to, to not monetize it uh, because so many people had really contributed above and beyond so it sure. is commercial free okay um, so uh a lot of podcasts successful podcasts um have 
been or being turned into uh, movies. <laughs> it's ironic, right? You, know, you write the screenplay and then adapt yeah. the podcast to have it then turned back into a movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because I have a friend of mine who's been writing a screenplay for a long time and he's been trying to do it. And one of the things that one of his agents told him to do is like, make it a podcast because it's, uh, there's a way that you can make a podcast. It's significantly cheaper than making a feature film, obviously in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, but if you make it a podcast, you can get enough traction with a podcast that people will want to option it and buy that rights from you. So, and it's uh, a great, if you're a studio, it's such a great development idea. I mean, you can hear oh, a yeah. script. You don't have to have someone necessarily reading all this stuff. You literally get a chance to hear a script and then be like, right. yeah, or no. I, I mean, I feel like it would save so much time, you know, and, you know, these professional actors and stuff, they can go through a table read so quickly and really, you know, it's, sure. I think it's such a great end format, but it's also a great beginning format as well to yeah. really like, like the guy's agent was saying, just get your idea out there because the chances that someone will listen to your podcast are way higher than they'll pick up your 90 page screenplay or whatever Yeah, uh, and read that. So yeah, it's, it was sort of that thing. And that's, you know, do you know, you know, Trent? Are we? Do we overlap friends with Trent Shumway? Mm. He's another flame artist. He's the guy who was always saying, "You got to do this podcast," and brought me over okay. the mic and everything. Um, but yeah, he's on several podcasts as well, and you know, it's just one of them was I think close to getting option for animation, and there's all kind, you know, a lot of things come out of these, and the ma the market is getting saturated, but I think that's why the festivals kind of become important and useful is to have, you know, panels that are vetting, you know so much content is getting released at this sure. point so um, did you ever hear of the podcast uh my dad wrote a porno did you ever hear that <laughs> <one>? no you <laughs> no. haven't no. oh it's hilarious it's this uh it's this uh story of this guy and i guess his dad he's his dad is some it's in it's in the uk but his dad's some irish guy but i guess in his free time his dad wrote uh erotica <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's very it it's there's erotica and then there's like what the hell is going on like weird stuff and so what he did is he made a podcast of him reading his dad's erotica with his two friends sort of critiquing it and laughing about it as they're doing it and it's very funny it's very very funny i highly recommend it with obviously the caveat that there is adult content obviously yeah. don't put my five-year-old in front of it no but i'll tell you what HBO took optioned it and they're making a show out of it. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah. it, I mean, uh, I don't think, but, but it's the thing, right? It was, it's extremely popular. And by the way, major celebrities come on to that show talking about how much they love the show. So that's fine. I think podcasting, well, first of all, I, I've been doing podcasting for seven years. So I, 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 uh, I, I'm, You're a, for it. I, I'm for it. I'm for it. I'm pro podcast for sure. <laughs> pro podcast. Uh, but I love, I love audio formats. Uh, and I think you nailed it, uh, 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 as well. It's like, I am dyslexic, right? And so to me, audio reading of things is great. <laughs> a great way yeah. for me to consume things. Uh, yes. A 90 page script is intimidating to someone with my uh, dyslexic superpower, but, uh, <laughs> but it is a superpower it, though. Yeah, but once you actually have, you know, performances that are done for them, it's great. I love that. It's so, so much fun. So I think this is incredible that you're doing this. Mallory was telling oh. me about it and she said oh, was yeah, she? she's doing, yeah, she said she's doing this 
this podcast stuff. And I think she helped you with one of the studios yeah. or stages. Yeah. She was great. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Like I said, it was all, you know, being strange and artistic and butthurt about the first one. Yeah. Um, and I kept noticing that she was driving by, like, a, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm one of the dinosaurs that's still doing that. Yeah. But I kept noticing that she was going back basically through my backyard on these trips all the time. And I, you know, I didn't know at that time that she was an audio producer. I remembered her briefly from Method. Right. And I was I was getting a hold of Michael and I was coming to the conclusion in my mind that I didn't want to work with remote performers in lead roles again. Right. Like it'd be fine for for characters that don't appear in the scenes with the lead role. But like in this one that I'm doing now, it's a family. And I didn't want that remote. And so we were, I was, I didn't know the implications of that. You know, it's like, I'm going to ask these actors to set up mics and zoom things. And now they're worried about equipment and am I recording? And, you know, there are 10 things that aren't the scene. Sure. You know, and I was just like, I don't want to do that either. So I was like, all these things I didn't want to do again, you know? And so she was driving by. And so I decided that I was going to ask her to help me produce it, not knowing that she was an audio just like can right. you please help me put my brain in an order that makes sense and yep. not make an idiot of myself um and so she came by and i put my brain in an order that didn't make any sense and made an idiot of myself and she stopped by again on her way back so that i could <laughs> i could sort of like re re take two you know right um because she came here and I was just like, it's so nice to see you. I didn't mention the project once. <laughs> so right. it was like, maybe you could stop back by and I can tell you about the project next time. Right. Um, and she's like, do you know that I'm an audio producer? No, that's yeah. very exciting. And she's like, how yeah. do you want to do this? And I was like, I don't even know what questions I'm supposed to ask. I have no clue with unions and spaces and microphones and time and money. I, I, I literally am going to start vomiting if i have to continue and she's like okay well you know figure figure your shit out figure your cast out figure out all the stuff you're gonna do uh and right. then yeah then i'll i'll see if i can help you out it's not that big a deal you don't need to be worried about it so yeah i, I phoned her up after michael and i sort of sorted out what days we could do who and when and where and all the covid tests and stuff like that and uh yeah she got us a deal at waterman sound where we could get in right before the holidays and um we were able to record more or less everybody in the same room off and on over two days. Um, and it was really cool. I mean, I got to see people like perform the story. I hadn't had that right. experience before. You know, I just got lines that I would cut in and it was like literally sitting there watching a play of my screenplay. It was the coolest thing. And I was just yeah. sort of like at that moment, I was like, damn it, I'm hooked. Like, yeah, this is what I was trying to do the first time. And I was so frustrated because it wasn't this like there it is right there. Right. And I it was funny. I walked back in the house after recording and uh, <laughs> I went in and my husband's like, are you high? And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, you look high. And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you look high. And I was like, well, I guess I'm high. Because I, you know, I was just so happy. I was like, that's it. I had heard it, you know, there, I had heard the thing in the story that I was like, am I going to get that? Did I, did I write that? Did I get that? Did I portray that? Is, yeah. did I get it? Uh, and I heard it and I was just like, you know, like, uh, what is it? Tom Hanks in a league of their own where he sees Gina Davis and he's like, we're going to win. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to win. <laughs> it's just like, 
we gotta win. So it was a little bit like, wow. Um, So yeah, I'm excited, but it was kind of weird because all the timing and stuff. The reason that one of the other reasons of going back to work is that you know we have a family member who needs full time care at this point. Okay. Um, and that wasn't going on at the beginning of the year. Like we started chemo and it was just like, went from, I'm tired occasionally and you know, whatever, still playing golf and stuff to like, I never seen somebody deteriorate so fast in my life. So we're just oh, like, we did a big regroup in the family and we're like, okay, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to like regroup on how we structure what we're doing and stuff like that. But the family has been so supportive. They're like, you've got to keep doing the podcast. You have to find a space and find a way and don't let this stop you from doing that. And it's so weird to be so supported on it because it's, it's sort of not the identity I have for myself. You know, for so long I was in a different space and kind of a different person. And it's like, yeah, it's been really interesting to, how things have opened up and people have showed up and support has come in and it's just been like, well, I was just going to keep trying to do it. You know, at the end of the day, I'm going to keep, I'm gonna keep writing, <laughs> keep seeing if actors want to read it I, out loud. I am so excited you're doing this. This is so cool. I think that people, everyone's going to find interesting little things that they didn't know that they wanted to do come up. And, and yeah, and it's that, so that, neat. That, yeah. Because, you know, sure. I don't want to be a flame artist for 40 years. You know, that was sort of like never my life's goal. You know, I always knew that right. at some point I wanted to be able to do something different. Um, right. And I just didn't, never knew what that was. I think that was sort of the like searching for the hobby kind of a thing. Like, what is it that could right. make me happy and fulfill me creatively, you know, that I could fill some of this space with? Because, you know, for a long time, flame was that. Maybe, right. you know, you get older, you get more experience, you've seen more, you've done more, you start a family. It's sort of like, it starts to occupy a different space. It's not this sort of like creative sure. playground where you jam your tunes and comp all night. Um, right. <laughs> which is still like one of my favorite like phases of life of all. It's so much fun. I feel right. so like lucky that I got to land in that place in that time and just see it for a minute, you know, because it was like a unicorn. It was here and gone, but... Yeah, it's a weird, windy, strange road over here, but I feel I feel really good about it. I feel like happy and confident and like things just sort of get legs and start working out working themselves out when I'm doing podcasts in a way they don't in anything else in my life. And so I sort of sort right. of take that as a sign like, well, if it's getting legs and walking around and you know, really having life and support of its own, then you gotta follow that. So right. we'll follow it as much as possible <laughs> yeah well you know we'll see i'm excited anyway i'm excited that anybody wants to know about my podcast like i think i've had it i've been done with it for a year and like i don't think i've talked to it about it with anyone well that, i'm glad <laughs> we're talking it. about it now and i'm glad people are going to learn about it and sort of do that and sort of see that opportunity i think that's a creative outlet in a lot of ways you know and the thing is we've always been like people that try to tell stories through pictures in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. and then uh, telling pictures, <laughs> you're doing it as a podcast. You are really making sure there is no picture involved. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so you're really sort of, you're, you're, you're putting your, your storytelling chops to the test where you're saying, I, I have to do it literally with words. And, uh, and, and that's really awesome. Thank you. It's a huge stretch. So, you know, I'm learning all the time and I'm just, the goal right now is like, I just, 
don't know. I want to do stuff that makes me happy and it makes me happy. Well, it sounds like so, it's making you happy. Right. We do it. Or it's making you high. <laughs> do the next one. Right. It makes me high. Like, who knew? It was such a thrill. I had, I was laughing at myself for the whole rest of the day. I'm like, he's like, you look like a little kid who just came out of yeah. the circus. <laughs> it's like, well, I can't turn it off. And let me tell you, this happens about once a year. So enjoy oh, that's it. That's awesome. Tell me any bad news that you have to tell me today because today is the day where I just can't hear it. This is, yeah. You could tell me and I can't hear it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So, it's good. Look Thank you. you. I know I'm over on your time and everything. Oh, no, we're fine. I did. I wanted to, I wanted to hear more of your story. So that's <laughs> so awesome. That's so, so awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and yeah, thank you for welcome. telling us the story. And it's so great to catch up with you again. You hanging out in your airstream in, in, in Oregon. I just love it. it just is right? So cool. It's just like professionally weird at this point. It's so great. It's so, so great. Good. Life so Here, great. I have to put this in the camera for the YouTube viewers. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much that. for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. I really appreciate it. It's been literally like 15 years or something stupid. Um, yeah, it's like uh, at least At least 12. 10. Yeah. At least 12, because uh, uh, I don't think I've seen you since my son is born and he's 12. So, so yeah, I didn't know that you had your congratulations 12 <laughs> yeah. years later. Yeah, I, you might have remembered my daughter. Uh, she I was did a remember your kid. daughter. Yeah, so she's she's now like no boys, uh, 5'10". <laughs> like, oh, my God. Is she doing volleyball? <laughs> yeah, no, but she's she she's uh, she's doing drama. She's uh, and uh, yeah, she's she's. She's a sophomore in high school. Let's just put it that way. So, wow. Back wow. Yeah. Time flies, man. Well, yeah. good. I'm glad you look good. I'm glad your family's good. It's, yeah. It's so thrilling and nice. Like, I'm, I'm super glad that I was like, look, I don't know. I haven't done visual effects in four years, but I'll sit and drink coffee or talk to you for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I, your story is awesome. I knew it would be. So, and yeah. Well, so, thank you. thank you. And thank Mallory. I appreciate you wherever you are for the podcast and for passing along my info. Now my, yeah. my family will now see that I am famous. Just you like are famous. I always you knew I be. was. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, let's not, let's not leave 12 years in between this time and next time. No, no, let's not do that. That's that. Dude. No. And uh, yeah, if you ever find yourself driving through Oregon, you should call me because a little birdie told me you like fly fishing and a little birdie told me, but uh -huh. I know the king of Oregon fly fishing honey holes. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, some big steelhead around there. That's what I hear. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. And rainbow trout. We got I live in between like there's there's so many rivers here. It's crazy. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but basically, yeah, you come here to like drink wine, retire, and fly fish. It's basically the consensus. Well, yeah. Karen and I have been talking about like, you know. Uh, when we quote unquote retire is we want to go to a place where I can fish all day and she can hike all day. And Oregon pretty much sounds like that place. <laughs> Found it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I didn't, yep. I didn't quite nail the retiring part, but you know, I got close. Yeah. But well, that's the thing. I was like, why do I have to wait till I retire? Why can't I do it now? <laughs> you can do it now. Totally. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, all the best. And I will bug you at some point about something. Okay.